Welcome to The Kitchen Table, a show dedicated to helping you escape diet culture, gain trust with food, honor your body, and live a brighter life. Hello, hello, and welcome back to The Kitchen Table. I'm your host, Alicia Brown, and I am so excited. I have Dr. Lauren here with us today. She's at Secret Life of Emotional Eating on Instagram. That's again, at Secret Life of Emotional Eating. She put a post up on social media that I just loved, and I reached out and I said, Dr. Lauren, can you please come to The Kitchen Table and extrapolate on this post that you did on Instagram? She's like, yes. So Yay. (laughs) So she's here with us today. And I got to tell you a little bit about Dr. Lauren. Dr. Lauren helps emotional eaters use science and food freedom to shed shame and to view their body as an ally instead of an enemy. She knows what it feels like to try every diet under the sun because you hope that if you can look a certain way, you won't be a failure, rejected, or ridiculed. Lauren is dedicated to creating a safe space for women, especially plus-size women, to heal away from diet culture and weight bias. As an educator and researcher with degrees in English and chemistry, she uses a non-diet, health at every size, and fat liberation approach to wellness. Dr. Lauren, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on and getting to, to talk about all things that we're passionate about. Absolutely. Oh, I cannot wait. So first to kick everything off, can you explain how you found yourself in the work that you're doing right now? Yeah. Um, it's been a really interesting road for me. So I come from an education background. Um, I have been a teacher, a principal, a a coach. Um, so I am really into how people learn and how people adapt to new information um, and how people assimilate that in ways that make sense for their life. I have been doing that for years with students and with adults. <laughs> um, but I got really into the, the wellness space just honestly on a personal level. So um, I started to really explore nutrition um, and looking at how, you know, vitamins and just basically filling in nutritional gaps make a difference in our bodies. And I have a chemistry background. Um, and so I've always been fascinated about how the body works, how, um, you know, chemicals and just how all of these things impact each other. People think it's so strange that, you know, why I have English and chemistry, but to me, it's all about how the context of one thing and another thing are going to interact with each other, Mm -hmm. um, and influence each other, whether we're talking about, um, you know, chemistry or we're talking about the context of society and literature, um, to me, they're very much related. And so, you know, when I started diving into wellness for myself, I was introduced to intuitive eating, to health at every size. Um, and I've always been big on research and science. And so I really explored a lot within those frameworks when they were introduced and realized how much they make sense. Mm. Um, as someone who's been a chronic dieter for a long time um, and has struggled with fat phobia um, and how that interplays with constantly trying to lose weight because I thought that that was how I was supposed to do things in order to be healthy. It never quite made sense to me, mainly because, um, 
the only number in any health tests I've ever done that hasn't been stellar has been the scale. And so it was always confusing to me how everything else seemed to be, you know, I seem to be super healthy and fit, um, you know, always been active and all of those things. Um, but yet was constantly told how I needed to improve my health. Mm. And so when introduced to, you know, a lot of these concepts, it, it really clicked in place for me, especially when I looked at the research that backs that up. And I put that with how our bodies actually work. It made so much sense to me um, that I couldn't help but want to share that with other people because I knew how freeing that felt for me, um, especially having the lived experience of being in a plus size body. So understanding that added layer of, of grief almost that can come from um, constantly being told, you know, that your quality of life or that your health is impacted. Um, and yet having this weird, um, dichotomy of, of like, okay, your numbers are fantastic, but then we're really concerned about this and just all of these conflicting messages that happen. Um, and so finally being able to understand that I could continue to pursue health behaviors that had nothing to do with the scale. Um, and I had never been able to kind of have everything click into place. And so being able to share that with other people, being able to help them use science as a way to create more compassion for themselves is why I got into this work. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really passionate about working with people to bring that to them, regardless of what their body size is. Um, but I, I know that for me, it's also really empowering when I see people of all body sizes in this work. Um, and so that's been something I'm really passionate about as I have gotten into this space. I got goosebumps as you're telling your story and I could feel how, how liberating it must've felt for you in some way to say that, yes, continue pursuing health promoting behaviors. Your way to decide you're healthy, right? right? Like you can, all of this is you're just healthy. It's like, Oh, we can reclaim that vision of health that we're all wanting after we just decide yeah. that, <laughs> that one aspect of it doesn't matter as much as maybe the medical setting thought it might or yeah. Right now, well, and I think to know that there's science that backs that up, and, there's and right, I think the other piece too that I have really started to realize, and I think is so important in this conversation, is um, you don't owe people being healthy. Uh, you know, it's it's not a moral issue. It's not a salvation issue. Like you're you're not going to magically become a better person if you're healthy or not. And I think that it's a really big disservice when we phrase it in those terms, because then you have, you know, people who have injuries or accidents or chronic illness or disability yeah. who are made to feel as though like they're never going to have, you know, opt what we would term optimal health. Um, and so then it's, we're, we're kind of creating this situation where there's a large amount of the population that feels as though 
they're not good enough, that, that what they're doing is, is not enough or is wrong, or that their worth is somehow tied to this piece, um, that they really can't do, you know, there's a limited amount that they can do about that. Um, and, and that's something I think that's been so freeing in this space as well is really learning what is actually under our control and that we are responsible for, which is a lot smaller piece of the pie than we're led to believe um, by a lot of both scientists and um, and really diet culture is 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 who I typically would point the finger to, um, so to speak. And so, you know, that I think is a really important aspect as well is there are a lot of things we can do for health behaviors that we own, but there are so many other things that are, are outside of what we own or, or are able to control. And unless we truly understand those distinctions, we take on responsibility for things that aren't ours. And then we feel like crap about it because we feel like we're not doing enough. We have failed. Um, we're disappointing ourselves. We're off track all of these stories that we tell ourselves um, that's really not our piece of the pie to own, so to speak. Um, And so that's where a lot of that shame and guilt that we associate with food and movement and, you know, this never ending battle to be at the perfect ideal body size, health level, whatever, um, and, and so there's a lot of stories that we associate with that, that we're handed. Um, and until we really explore a, a different view of what that really looks like and means, then it's, it's easy to get sucked into that belief system. Absolutely. So what I'm hearing for you is that we should all kind of redefine what our own definition of health is for us and recognize that we'll never be healthy enough for diet culture. If we try to abide by all of their rules, all of their ideals, all of their standards, it'll actually never be enough. It'll never deem us worthy enough by our health or our bodies or whatever. And so it's like, how can we reclaim health for ourselves by redefining our definition of health? Totally love that. I'm on fire for that concept. It really parallels (laughs) the health at every size framework and also intuitive eating. How can we honor our bodies and really question society's ideals or expectations for what body should look like or what health should look like as a whole. And I love how you also say like, stop worshiping health, right? Like we got other fish to fry as well. We all want to aspire to be healthy, but what does that mean for us? And if we're not doing it perfect, well, how are we doing it in a way that serves ourselves and our bodies, not by diet culture's definition of health, but by our own. Love that. I want to get into this post that you posted up on Instagram because I know that so many of us here at the kitchen table, I'm just going to say it. We love control. Okay. We like order. We like control. We like to feel like in every aspect of our health, like we're managing the chaos, right? And our eating can be a chaotic experience, right? We're busy. We are trying to make ends meet. We maybe have families. Maybe we're just having, you know, maybe multiple jobs, right? Like we're hustling, we're busy. We got a lot of stuff going on. And sometimes our eating can mimic that kind of chaotic hustling environment. We like order. We like safety and security with food. And that's often why we can fall into dieting is because it just says, okay, do this, not that. And we think, okay, perfect. I'm just going to do this thing. I'm good at following directions. (laughs) And this is the order that I'm looking for. 
So I'm going to read this post on Instagram and I'd love for you to extrapolate on it a bit. The post goes, if you felt insecure or unsafe about how others accepted or loved you, controlling your food might have felt helpful. And that's just one of many slides, but I'm going to pause right there and I'm going to ask you to maybe extrapolate on that first bit for a second. Yeah. So, I mean, so I, I come at this from the emotional eating side of things. Right. Um, and so number one, emotional eating isn't bad. So that's a misconception. I think that we often have, and that's because for many of us, and I speak from experience on this too, I viewed emotional eating as a disruptor to my weight loss success. Mm. If I wasn't, if I wasn't getting sidelined by all of these emotions and coping with food, then I would be able to lose the X amount of weight that I'm trying to lose. Right. Which is not really how that works. <laughs> um, so I think that emotional eating has had a lot of negative connotations to it. When in reality, what emotional eating is, is, is a, it's a coping mechanism, right? So we are seeking comfort. We are seeking um, something that is going to increase our mood, calm us down. Um, you know, if you look at the science behind a lot of the foods that we choose when we are eating to cope with intense emotion, it's, it's typically to either calm down, um, to boost the mood or both. And so the foods we're choosing are actually working with your body to achieve those results. Um, and so that's, that's a very normal thing. And so a lot of what I teach is the goal is not to end emotional eating because that's impossible. You're a human being with emotions. It's normal. It's natural. The goal is to add more tools to your toolbox. So it's not your only option to cope with your emotions. Right. And so the reason that I'm kind of giving that context is because you may have learned early on or throughout experiences in your life that in order to cope with those strong emotions and to calm down and to create some stability that food gave that to you. So for example, you know, I'm just going to use my own experience growing up. Emotions were, were not okay to a certain extent right? Like you could have small emotions, but big emotions or being quote unquote emotional, like, don't do that. That's not safe here. Right. So I didn't know where to then like put those in my life. I wasn't really allowed to show that or what do I do with that? And I didn't know how to, I mean, I was a kid. I didn't know how to do that. Um, and so food gave a sense of calming those emotions down, being able to regulate those emotions. And in the only way I really knew how that I had latched onto. And so as I have gotten older and I've added more tools to my tool belt and, and my toolbox, like that's not the only mechanism I need to use, but it served me really well for a long time. And so it's, 
it's understandable that especially if you're going through situations where there is, again, a lot of insecurity and, and lack of safety, that you may then turn to things that are going to give that to you um, with your eating habits. And so, you know, there was a relationship that I had for quite some time, five and a half years is a long time, <laughs> um, where that relationship was really chaotic. I never knew exactly where we were at, what was happening. And, and really without even understanding it, I looked for other ways to exert stability because this was such an unstable situation, mm. meaning I planned everything to a T. Everything was in a, in a calendar. Everything was written down. And that included food. Like I had also kind of latched into a place where, um, you know, I started to learn things because I, this was a time when, you know, early twenties, I was really kind of getting out into the world as an independent, you know, first time adult. And so starting to kind of learn things outside of the home and here was this done for you, tick all the boxes do these five steps or whatever it was, um, plan on how to eat in an area that I never felt like I had been successful at in the past. So it was really this recipe to finally feel like I could exert control, not only in these other areas of my life because of, you know, relationships and things that were creating a lot more chaos than I understood at the time, but then I also was introduced to a way to exert control over food and my body. And that felt very empowering actually at the time. Oh. It felt like finally I have the ability to take charge of my life, to be in the driver's seat. And this really came to fruition when I exited the relationship understood how much I had been just riding this roller coaster and going, Oh, finally I can really run with all this stuff and being a doer overachiever, we you go. know, loving to, you know, feel like I am an A plus, um, it felt like I was finally gaining success in an area that I had never been able to do before. So it kind of all came to fruition um, to actually give me a sense of safety and security during a time that I didn't really have that. And then even though I had left that relationship that was causing so much chaos, because I had gained a sense of power out of it through that tail end, then I really ran with it because I was getting praise. I was getting recognition and validation that I was finally doing the right thing um, in my in this area of my life. And so for a time, dieting felt empowering almost. Um, and add to that, when you are an overachiever, you are piling on as much stuff and packing in as much to do as possible. And you never feel like you quite have enough time. And so to have someone else tell me 
how to eat, what to eat, how much to eat, like all the rules actually felt really good for me because I didn't have to figure it out. Right. right? So it felt like, you know, I'm finally in the driver's seat I'm taking charge of my life. I've got the formula. I've got the formula. So I'm not having to sit there and like reinvent the wheel and try and figure all this stuff out. And then I'm actually kind of getting some validation as I start this journey. So it feels like I'm on the right track, doing the right thing. Um, It's really perfectly understandable that I thought that that was like, I had made it, you know? Um, And it, it took a while to really understand why that was happening, where that was coming, coming from, um, and how that was no longer serving me anymore, that it actually made me feel trapped. Um, and it was no longer feeling like I was, I was in the driver's seat. Right. But that took time. So, so what you're saying is dieting gave you a sense of control when other things of your life felt out of control after leaving that relationship, you decided to put more eggs into that health basket. You were validated for doing so. You felt like you were on the track of health and you felt healthy during that time. And that was empowering and you were validated by everybody else so that fueled the fire. What was the turning point between you deciding that that was the control that you needed to feeling trapped? Because that's a super fine line. I think a lot of us here, we're type A too. We're ambitious. We're overachievers. We're going to give it a hundred percent. But when we do that and we feel empowered by doing that, it's a fine line between feeling like we have control over the situation and feeling trapped in the situation. I was just having a conversation about this with, with my husband and like, you know, we bought our home and we have our mortgage. I'm like, Hey, this is like the dream. And also we're trapped. (laughs) The dream is really close to feeling trapped. And and that's like a, a fun conversation in many areas of life, but especially in dieting, we yearn for the sense of control to give order to the chaos So we don't have to find out how to eat. That can be so anxiety provoking. There's so much going on there. We can have direction through dieting, but that direction is building this fortress, is building this cage that we then live in. Can you, what in your experience was like that dividing point between I'm empowered by this and feeling trapped by it? Was there like a turning point for you in that? Yeah. So, um, I had dieted, this was not the first time I had dieted just to clarify. So I had dieted in the past. I grew up in a home where, um, I mean, I, I thankfully it was not introduced to dieting when I was like really young, but yet I watched women in my life in particular, um, who were dieting. So it wasn't like, a brand new experience as a, as a, as a you know, later teen to then start on that journey myself. So I had definitely already been trying some things, um, but I had never really done a, a plan before, if that makes sense. So you like might kind of read a book or someone kind of, it's like someone kind of telling you about stuff and you kind of like are trying it, but you don't go to, you don't go to meetings. You're not like seeing a coach, you know, that's like, that's more of a plan. Right. So, um, I, I didn't really take steps to kind of be in charge until the tail end of, of exiting the relationship. So it really was kind of, I think 
tied up into I'm reacquainting myself with who I am outside of this really long-term chaotic relationship. And so there was a lot of, I'm taking back my life in a lot of areas. And for the first time experiencing success in the dieting world, because success is weight loss. Right. And I never really experienced success with that before, but I'd also never cut calories so much before. Right. Because, you know, I have a, my mother's a nurse. So it was like, I was never going to be doing 800 calories a day or something insane because she at least had that awareness, right? Like I had that protection. Um, but when I'm an adult doing my own thing, less protection and didn't really know what I was doing. Um, so it kind of was this time where, um, I felt like I was taking my life back in all areas and finally finding success in my body with food. Um, at the same time, what's really fascinating about this to me, it just with my own journey, um, is that breaking up with someone that you've been in a relationship with for five and a half years is not easy. I don't care like what situation it is. It's you've, you've tied yourself in your life to someone for a long time, but that experience and that point where I determined that this was this, I was done was realizing, and I'll never forget it. I sat in the parking lot in front of Ross of all places. And I realized I am miserable. I'm miserable with this person. And that I would rather be happy alone for the rest of my life than to continue to be in a relationship where I felt miserable and and in essence trapped, right? So that experience of coming to this epiphany of I value myself enough to be alone, but happy and take that risk and that chance and, and, and I was done. I mean, the decision had been made. That was like just this intense light bulb moment, broke up with this person and then set about really intentional healing, knowing that I had been in this relationship for a really long time. Mm-hmm. So fast forward, uh, quite a number of years actually. So probably another four or so was in the middle of wedding season for my now husband had been really dedicated to losing weight and, you know, this whole roller coaster that we go on, right. Not, not just in general, but add to that, the whole bridal component that we put on women during the, and men, frankly, during, um, an incredible time in their lives. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, working out six days a week, eating six small meals a day, because that was the thing at the time. I even went and saw a nutritionist who, because I, that was, I, I wanted to trust someone who knew what they were doing. And they essentially were like, you need to be on like 1300 calories a day. Mm. Um, And, and now knowing what I know now, I'm just like flabbergasted 
you know, at the instruction I received from someone who should have known more um, than me. So, you know, it's, it's, it, it definitely was a time in which there was so much obsession and so much energy and mental energy consumed by what am I eating? How much am I eating? And denial of enjoyment, not just of food, but in general, you know, going out to eat was a nightmare. Um, and there were a lot of social engagements during a wedding season, of course. you know, and navigating those and, you know, just all of these things where it was centered around how am I going to, how am I going to not give up on my goals, right. Or not give up on my body. Um, but yet still do these activities with people because I'm a very social creature. And so I didn't want to give up getting to do these special events with people, but it was so much time and energy devoted to trying to do these events and these social pieces um, and, and just so much manipulation around like food. It was exhausting. I was so exhausted. Um, and I remember we went on our honeymoon, which was amazing. Um, Where did we you went go? to, we went to Venice for four oh. days, which is one of my favorite cities. Um, my husband had never seen it. And then we went on a cruise that left from Venice around several of the Greek islands and came back. It was amazing. I have never done a cruise since or, you know, before, but it was very special. Um, it was very special to, to get to, I love Italy and Italy is so much about the pleasure of food. The food. Yeah. The food. <laughs> so we love gnocchi, which if you don't know what that is, it's a pasta made with potato. Um, and so we basically did a tour in four days of every type of gnocchi <laughs> that you can make, um, with a little bit of pizza thrown in there because you have to, yeah, um, and then of course, Greece and all of the amazing things and a cruise itself. There's just a plethora of food all the time in any way, shape or form that you want to do. And I had gone into my honeymoon knowing I'm not going to regulate what I eat. I'm just going to enjoy this trip. And we love to travel and we love to try new foods when we travel and experience the place and the culture and just what people are like and what people like to eat. And so I had made that agreement with myself, but then, you know, you kind of are like, and then I'll get back to it. But I was so burned out. I really didn't want to. I, like the thought of trying to regulate my food to the ounce and, you know, go do so many workouts and just all the things I had been doing before that, like it, honestly, it made my whole body just resist, just tense anxiety. It was like, so it took a really long time for me to kind of start to take care of myself because I didn't think of it as taking care of myself, mm. right? Like, right. and I didn't understand that even at the same time, like we've always been active and outdoorsy. So it's like, we were still hiking. We were still going on walks. 
Um, you know, that's part of our family dynamic as we walk every evening with the dog. Like, it's not like we weren't eating a, a varied diet during this entire time, but because I had been so programmed and conditioned to believe that the only way to maintain the weight loss was to eat a certain way and to work out a certain way. And I had to come to the realization within myself, I, I just, it was not sustainable. And then I really had this almost like ex- almost exactly the same light bulb intense situation as breaking up with this person yeah. and sitting going, I'd rather be happy than miserable with this person. It was this realization of I'd rather live in a bigger body and be happy than continue to constantly try and lose weight for the rest of my life and be miserable. And some people will argue those aren't your only options. And that may be true for someone. I can't, I, I'm, I can't say someone else's experience is not valid because that's just not a part of who I am and the work that I do. I will say that if your constant belief about health is that the only way to achieve it is through a diet and weight loss, like a weight centric model. Um, It is really difficult based on the science and statistics that we know to find sustainable effortless habits to maintain that. And so as you are, regardless of how difficult, right. regardless of how much willpower, right. It has nothing to do with willpower. And it took me so long to understand that because here's, here's the really crazy part. And I've done a, a little bit of work around narcissism and toxic relationships because I've lived some of those experiences in my life and I won't point fingers at people, <laughs> but I've had to work through some of those behaviors because as a really empathetic person and as a, as a doer, as, as someone who is a, you know, a problem solver and as someone who really cares about people, I am susceptible to give, 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 give. If I don't understand those dynamics and how people might take advantage and have really healthy boundaries in my life. So what's really been fascinating about this is how diet culture has those tendencies in our lives, right? So we, I'll just speak for me, for me, it took a really long time for me to understand that trying to lose weight and failing at it over and over and over and over again, and trying, I mean, name a diet and I've probably done it like for real, (laughs) Um, South beach, old school, anyone, you know, whatever. So like I've done a lot of them because I kept having the belief that I failed the diet rather than the diet failing me. Right. And it's like having a really bad ex-boyfriend totally that you keep thinking it's me instead of realizing you're picking the wrong kind of guy, right? Or the wrong kind of guy is just, it's not the right fit for you. There's a different way. Um, And so, and that's where having to really become self-aware and reflective and heal because 
when you have been conditioned and when you have certain tendencies as a human being, you fall into those dynamics for a very specific reason. And so we take on all of this responsibility that I should have more control over these things in my life. I should be able to do this through the sheer power of my will because I'm successful doing that in a lot of other areas in my life. Of course. Right. So I'm able to be super high achieving through the, through the sheer determination and willpower. So I should be able to do that about how I eat and how I exercise. But the reality is, is that those are such small parts of health and they're such small parts of how your weight, your body weight is determined. Yes. But there's this huge social conditioning that's happened that said, weight loss is the car you drive to achieve your health. Like the destination is thinness and that is quote unquote healthy. And the car you drive is weight loss and you have the map and you have the gas and you're in the driver's seat. So if you don't end up at the destination, whose fault is that? Well, it must be the driver. But the reality is, is that that is such a false construct but, but diet culture has gotten so good at being the manipulative, narcissist, toxic boyfriend to convince us that when we don't end up at the destination, it's our fault rather than like, that's not even the car you're driving. Right. That's not even where you're supposed to be headed. Right. And so when we decide to exit the vehicle and take the, take the off ramp, and, and do, do a very different road trip. <laughs> um, that is where true freedom has been for me. Like really kind of coming to the realization that if I want to live in a body, if I want to constantly strive for a body that is nearly impossible and there are really good reasons to try for that because I'm just going to, I'm just going to, as a plus size person, throw this in there. When you have the added layer of you're more acceptable, you're, you're less bullied, less shamed. When you get treated better by everyone around you, when you're not looked at terribly in a restaurant because of your choices of what you choose to eat when you go to the doctor's office and you don't have to go through that horrifying experience of not being listened to and that every single thing that you go to the doctor for the answer is weight loss, even though you broke your arm and it has nothing to do with your, the scale, like when all of those things improve, it is really tantalizing to want to continue to stay in that car and continue to try and drive towards thinness because it impacts so much of these other pieces as a person who, who lives in a plus size body in a fat phobic world. So, you know, it's, it's really understandable why we choose, why we, why we are in that seat. And sometimes it doesn't feel like a choice. So I, you know, I know I'm using that term fast and loose, 
Um, it's just, it's, it's, for me, it was really, it was the realization that what I thought was at first empowering. And there are parts that I think I took from that experience that were really valuable. So I don't want to downplay that dieting served a purpose for me at a time in my life that really was valuable. Um, it gave me a sense of control. It gave me a sense of empowerment. It helped me transition. Um, and I did learn to some degree how to own my body through that experience. And that didn't fade, thankfully, as I realized that those things were no longer serving me in ways that felt good and that were actually now had transitioned into an obsessive um, place that felt like a trap. Like a trap. So for everybody listening right now, if you have once felt empowered by diets, but now feel like you're trapped inside and you feel like this is your only way to achieve health, I think that Dr. Lauren, what you've shared today is that like, there is another way you can break up of that from that toxic relationship with dieting <laughs> that is constantly saying that you are not doing it correctly. It's your fault. No, it's the dieting's fault. It's that toxic boyfriend's fault. And there's liberation on the other side and there's freedom on the other side. This has been such an impactful episode. Thank you so much for sharing that message. I think that so many of us today, especially of us, overachieving, high-performing, high-energy women who want to do all the right things. We find ourselves in that car. But what we really want is the freedom on the other side. We really want the connection with ourselves, the autonomy over our health to decide we're going to take charge now in a way that's empowering, not just for the short term, but for the long term and for the rest of our lives. Where can everybody find you if they want to learn more from you, if they want to hear more about your story, more about your food philosophy and your body philosophy? Can you share where they can find you and potentially work with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so everything is secret life of emotional eating. So that is my handle on Instagram. Um, it's secret life of emotional eating at gmail.com. If you want to send me an email and my website is secret life of emotional eating.com. So <laughs> if you can remember that, uh, you can find me in a lot of places for sure. And, um, just thank you so much for having me and letting me share um, some of my story and, and hopefully that that will serve, you know, all of you who are listening, um, that it is really, really easy to get into a mindset of having to perfect and achieve and that, you know, you're handed a list of boxes to tick off. And if you can just do it exactly right, that you'll have your ideal dream life. And when you really come to realize how so much of the responsibility has been put on you, that really is out of your control and shifting what that picture looks like and, and getting a real sense of what is realistically yours to, to work with versus what is not. Um, it is so much more of a relaxing, um, enjoyable, <laughs> enjoyable. Yes. Just, it, I mean, it, we talk so much about freedom, but I think more than anything else, 
you know, I've learned rest is responsible. And that was something I would have never embraced 10 years ago during this time. And so there's just, there's so many things that can be so much more um, valuable and pleasurable and just feel good, you know, just really resonate. Um, It's, it's not just freedom. It's, it really is going to feel like a, a purposeful life, even though when you look at it, it feels like, where's my checklist? (laughs) Um, You know, there isn't enough purpose or enough rules, but when you learn the constructs to the practices that we both teach, there's so much more room for you in that equation. It's like, that's, that's where the freedom and the authenticity lies for our lives is it gives you room to grow and to be who you are and to, um, to enjoy so much more about your life. It really is worth the messy transition. (laughs) Oh, deep resonance, deep resonance. I'm feeling in my body. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for all of your, your wisdom through your experience, your knowledge through science and for all of your sharing today. Would love to have you back at the kitchen table to more deep dive into some of these concepts that we talked about on the surface today. And I so agree that we have to climb deeper in our relationship with ourselves and our health. And that when we do that, when we get down from that superficial layer of weight loss and health and then achieving that to getting deep down into the deeper layers of how can this reconnect me with myself more? That's where the answers come from. And I think that's the beautiful part. Oh, on fire for you and your work and your message, Dr. Lauren. Would love to have you. Thank you again for coming on the show. And for everybody listening, if this show impacted you in any way that you're thinking maybe of somebody in your life that really could benefit from hearing this message, right? Maybe there's one person, maybe there's a couple of people, screenshot this show and share it with them. Say, got to hear from Dr. Lauren today at the kitchen table with Alicia Brown, send it to them. And while you have your phone out, hit that subscribe button. We're here every Monday and Thursday at the kitchen table. Every Monday is a solo cast. It's just you and me here at the table. And Thursday, we've got bomb interviews lined up. So thank you so much again, Dr. Lauren. Everyone, I hope that you enjoyed the show, enjoyed the rest of the day, and we will see you in Monday's episode.